Welcome to Fractured Frequency, a podcast of the Queston Media Network. I'm your host, Yiming Piancai. Today on Fractured Frequency, we have a very, very special guest, someone who, if you've listened to Margin Call, again, the previous podcast that used to live in this space, Travis Montez has been a very, very longtime friend of this show. He's been on countless occasions. He's talked about all of the things, politics, art, relationships, I think, and more, much, much more. But today, this episode is basically dedicated to Travis. Oh my God. Oh my God. I know. It's huge. This is, this is big, but that's crazy. I know. But to, to kind of explain why <laughs> this is Travis's dedicated show of appreciation and love. So um, in about, I'll say a month this summer, this summer of 2023, Travis is launching his own podcast called Objects in This Rear View. And I'm very excited for this. Me too. I'm really excited about it. Yep. Mainly because I produced it. I don't want to say I begged him to do a podcast, but I definitely mentioned it a lot. So <laughs> <laughs> you did. Well, you did talk yes, about it. I did. A lot. I did. Because, you know, I sat here for hours, I want to say hours of listening to you. And I was like, you know, Travis got some chops. Travis can hold his own. <laughs> Travis can, when you give him a little bit, he can, he can go. He can go. Mm-hmm. Agreed? Agreed? I, yeah. I, <laughs> I'm not agreeing to this version of events. Well, we can dive into this as we go on. If you on. would like to correct me, feel free. <laughs> I don't recall a different version of the story, <laughs> but I don't recall this version either. Well, It sounds like it could be true. Well, I, I just know that I brought it up a lot. I would mention it yes. to you. And I'm like, if you want to, I got you. And you would like kind of like mm-hmm, me like most of the time. You're like, mm, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. That Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, it's so you definitely mentioned doing my own podcast. And as is sort of like my habit, I'm normally quite sharp. But when it comes to opportunities um, that people offer me or invitations to do things I can be a bit obtuse and so like it didn't though you I in retrospect you were quite clear it didn't sort of occur to me that like you were willing that you were really asking to partner with me and lend your talent and your time to produce a podcast Mm -hmm. that I created Mm -hmm. right and so like when you first brought it up I was like sort of thinking about like oh I have to learn how to podcast I have to come up with like I was like imagining all the work that I would have to do but you're like nope I'll do all of that you just sort of like tell me what your idea is and like let's flesh it out and then once and like your 20th uh, <laughs> conversation with me about what it would look like, I was really ready to go. Because this, I think I, in some ways, had the idea for objects in this review locked and loaded. And it came together far more easier, far more easily than um, I had in my mind, mm-hmm. um, which is classic Travis. Right. But I also, before we, we go further into this, I, I do want to thank you for um, encouraging this podcast to be created. I, I, there's, you said to me several times, like you, you pretty much were like, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yes. So I, and you know, self doubt and all that was like strong and loud and like, no, I can't, no, I can't. But um, you're a very good cheerleader. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, same, same. (laughs) Um, 
I think that's why we work well because like I think that I saw a similar I saw the self-doubt I saw the questioning I saw the fear of occupying this space you know perhaps karma I was like it's ridiculous to me that this like amazing person who produced the hell out of my podcast has any doubt about her own abilities um and so maybe I needed I needed to be your cheerleader to also flex the chops of being my own cheerleader when I don't have like a you around. So that's sort of like why I was able, I see it. It was so clear to me that you could do this and that you had such a clear idea and the chops, as you say. So once you, once you sort of, you know, came into the light, that is the truth of your awesomeness. And we're like, yeah, I can do this. Did you already have the idea for what the show was? And can you kind of speak on to what it is for people who, you know, haven't heard about it yet? It's amazing, but I still want mm-hmm. your version of what it's about. Yeah. So I am a poet as you, as because your inbox sometimes gets filled with my, my rough drafts. Oh, I love this. Um, I love this. Uh, so I did most recently work on a trilogy poetry project mm-hmm. um, from 2018 to 2020 um, called Objects in This Review. And it was a collection that was really personal to me. I was like, it started with me like writing my way out of depression, writing my way out of a lot of things, grappling with a relationship um, that meant a lot to me and like learning how to be in that relationship. So a lot of personal, nostalgic, hopeful, heartbreaking poetry spanned that, that Objects in This Review project. And it is... And the the thread of it was like, what am I leaving behind to have the life that I want? If, if I had to like sum up that project. And, you know, the, the third installment of it came out during the pandemic and which obviously impacted the writing of like volume three. But this amazing thing sort of happened while I was isolated here in Brooklyn in my apartment with me and my cat. I had a lot of time and I was having like all these conversations organically like I didn't intend to with like men in my life sometimes spawned by like a you know a friend would have read the book or the, the particularly volume three and then reached out to me to talk about something that he had read sometimes not and I was I think everyone was in a similar reflective space during the pandemic when we were all isolating and I was having these conversations with a lot of men in my life about their lives in these vulnerable ways that like we hadn't before and it was around about the time that you were talking to me about doing a podcast and so yeah I was like these conversations should be could be like I had this idea that like the these conversations would be a really good podcast because, you know, they're not to my listening. They're not like a lot of spaces where men are talking about their lives in introspective ways and in hopeful ways and in vulnerable ways. Right. Like I think if, if I like were to survey podcasts of men, they tend to be very siloed around sexual orientation. First of all, um, and they're all, are, are either specifically talking about manhood, what it is, what it isn't, in healthy ways and not, um, or specifically about relationships or like some like very narrow, I think, com- the, the conversations of male podcasts I listen to tend to be pretty focused. I don't want to say narrow, I say focused. Um, but the conversations I were having with my male friends were really broad. And I think they're all different. They're all really interesting. And I thought that would make a really good, and I enjoyed those conversations. And I sort of had an idea that like, if I could capture some of that in a podcast with these really great guys I know who are all different, all going through different things, 
would be interesting. If I liked listening to it or having the conversations, other people would probably enjoy listening to them. And then I sort of told you my idea and you were like two thumbs up and we, you know, banged out six episodes. Is that right? Six. And yeah, I'm really kind of, and so we sort of thought of that as season one and I'm already sort of excited to like sit down with a few more of my people that I know and do a few more if you're in. Of course, you know, that's an automatic yes for me, but, um, I, I am curious because like as, as the person who worked very intimately with your, with these episodes, how did you determine who you wanted to talk to? And you did create a certain order of, of uh, events for the, each episode. So it's very, it feels like a chapter book. <laughs> mm-hmm. Everything is kind of a little bit different, but, but, but yeah, my first question is how did you pick who, who you want, wanted to speak to? And was there a specific intent with that? Oh, that's a really good question. So I, I mean, obviously I picked, but like, I just, part of it was guys that I had already been talking to, right? So like, none of these are strangers. These are all men that I have some relationship with and know very well. And so some of the conversations had already like sparked, right? Or they were just men that I knew would be open to, open to doing such a thing, even if I hadn't specifically had that kind of conversation with them. And I just sort of like thought about men that I admire, men who I thought, you know, this guy... Um, and this side of this guy, you don't really see it in the world a lot. You don't really see it in this space a lot. And, you know, and I think most of them were really surprised that I wanted to sit down and talk to them. They, they, even though I think they're all very interesting, very brilliant, very creative, all walks of life. And, but that sort of speaks to like, you don't see that conversation with that kind of guy who like they're not famous. They're not, you know, though successful and in various kinds of ways, like you don't see that. And so I thought, they were all just meaningful relationships to me, I think is how I started to choose, mm-hmm. like men who meant something to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the conversation would be meaningful. I think they all knew that they were important to me in various ways, but also in the conversation, I got to share with them personal things that their friendship and the relationship meant to me, mm-hmm. uh, means to me. Uh, and so like that's how I, I it, men who meant something to me, both in terms of like what they're doing in the world, things that they've done for me and supported me through, like inspirations, friends, a lot of them I consider brothers, best friends are all up and through there. Um, so that's how I chose. I had a much longer list. Those are just sort of like the guys that I could get in that time frame because everyone's so busy. I have like another list of like guys that I would just love to sit down and talk to about their lives and like how they met challenges, how they, how their life sort of looks from my point of view as mm-hmm. like a, a person as a friend mm-hmm. and um and hear what they're up to next i find that fascinating did you ever was there any instances in you know the pre-planning of these interviews where because i know a lot of people feel a lot of weird coming on to a very public space because podcast is like the, mo- the most unregulated audio situation currently in broadcasting right now so mm-hmm. was there any did anyone that you talked to feel have like oh like you know, were they hesitant about, you know, express because 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 you go deep in these people's like how they feel about themselves and things. So it's like because mm-hmm. so was there any point where they were like, mm, maybe I shouldn't talk about this or maybe maybe mm, mm, like, you know, was there was there any of that in that? You know, dis- because I think I have like I have um, there was not a lot of discussion with any of them. I sort of went over with them how I wanted the flow of the conversation to go generally, um, but nothing in in terms of like specific details about like what I would ask. I would just sort of like general 
this, each episode I think moves in like three movements mm-hmm. and those right. are general and so I but I didn't like tell them I'm going to specifically ask about your job I'm going to ask about your relationship I'm going to ask about um, someone you've lost or I didn't tell them those things and they didn't ask right and so a part of that is like trust right the trust in me and so most of the episodes I think are like just what happened right but there were a couple who and I think it was my idea mostly who I was like hmm you know, I'm not sure that's something you want to share mm-hmm. broadly. And right. I think I can only think of two examples. And it was like tiny things. Mm-hmm. And I was sort of like my, and not that it was like bad stuff. There was just like stuff that I thought, you know, and the vulnerability that was created during the interview that like made sense. And like who, but I thought in the, you know, in hindsight, let me check back in to make sure this. I probably like three minutes in for the whole season. Let me make sure like these things are things that you feel comfortable being out in the world. And yeah, I, in fact, for one guy, he was like, that's fine. I was like, I don't think it's fine. And I still like had it like set stuff taken off. I feel like I know what you're talking about. I feel like, yeah, I was like, that's not fine. I don't, (laughs) I don't think that's fine. Um, And thank, like, thank him for like being so willing but yeah, I don't want to, I'm not looking to like exploit anyone. I'm not looking to like, I don't want it to be like a, like a gossipy or like trauma focused or trauma porn. And so, yeah, that it was just sort of like to preserve the integrity of both like the relationship and the vision for this podcast that like I myself was like, I think that's too personal for this person to share and like, and that's a high bar for me, first of all. Like, that's a, like, you know, we talk about a lot of personal things, but it's like, I don't think that that's going to come across the way. I don't know how that's going to come across. And like, if I'm not, you know, whatever. So yeah, no one, there was no conversation. I don't sort of like prep them for it other than keying them up for what my, I have the same last question for every interview, which is what's in your rear view. So I sort of like cue them up for that to have them thinking about like what they want to answer to that question to be. And I sort of feel like that always changes because they don't know where the actual interview is going to go. But yeah, there's no like real hardcore prep. Um, And so I think that kept it organic. And I think that's also why I felt really protective of them and really listening to the interviews after to make sure that there weren't overshares. And so I'm probably more conservative about that than they are. Hmm. As, as, as someone who's, who's a poet, and you write very beautiful poetry, like super, like Thank sometimes you. I look at my, like, oh, Travis, you just, you just kicked me in the chest for a second and I had to recover. But, um, being this, your, your first podcast as a host, um, you, you know, you're asking these guys, these really intimate questions. And so as, mm-hmm. as someone who is a writer who really goes into his own feelings, as you were progressing, I was personally noticing like you, you know, I could sense you were a little bit nervous, like, you know, just because it's natural, natural nervousness. But, but the progression, you seem to really like be able to easily just kind of drop in. And, you know, if it was it became more and more relaxed and 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 you seem to enjoy it more and more as you progressed yeah. through. So I'm, I'm really one thing I'm really curious about is how you held space for these guys and made, made sure that they felt okay saying a lot of things that maybe they wouldn't normally say, but they felt like you were like, you know, I trust Travis. I trust what he, what he's doing with this. Cause clearly it's, it, it's, it, it goes deeper than just the moment for them because they've known you and for a long time. Yeah. So like, 
beyond that interview, how did you elicit trust or how do you elicit trust so that people could come to Because I've been telling you stuff. I don't be telling that's a true. lot of people. You, you jumped so- in really quick. <laughs> you know, it's that's hard for me to answer because like I'm on this side of the relationship. Right, of course. My get- so that maybe you can answer that better than I like know. I That's could. why I'm asking. Like, why I'm do curious. You, why do you trust me, right? I think people get me as authentic and they get, and I think I go deep in conversations. Like I share um, and I, and I'm actually quite boundaried as well. So people get the, like when I'm sharing, like I'm intentionally sharing, like I'm not, you know what I mean? And I think that invites trust. I think that invites safety because I'm also doing it with them. I'm not like, visiting a zoo when I'm asking questions <laughs> about life. Like I'm, I'm, I'm asking to create intimacy. Right. And so it's an invitation to do so. I think I listen well, and most people really want to be seen. I was going to say most people want to talk. I don't think that's true, but I think most people want to be seen. Um, and I think I, I look, I'm interested. Um, particularly in the men who we had on. Like, I think they also get me as someone who's like very interested in them as men, as people. Um, And so that created, I think they trusted my intention. Um, And so that, that made the conversation possible. Um, Yeah. And I think as I, I don't even remember who we did first, but I remember being very nervous the first time we did it. And then I listened back to it and I was like, Oh, this actually is really really matched my vision and then I was like very comfortable and part of the reason I'm comfortable is like these are sort of again these were conversations I've been having in some way shape or form through the pandemic you know what I mean like these are sort of like the things that me and my folks talk about that part wasn't the hard part for me it was like worrying about whether it would translate whether I could capture what I see in the person I'm interviewing whether that would like be on audio or um, so that was what I was nervous about. It wasn't like my my ability to articulate the question or even have the conversation. I think that's a, that's a particular. I think that's my wheelhouse, kind of. Is there something that you got out of these that surprised you, or maybe you didn't know that was like you know stood out to you in a way that you're like, oh, I've known you X Y Z years, and I mean, I think what you know when I think about the men that we interviewed, they are all men that I've known for at least a decade, right? And so that, that's a certain level of comfort. And and I that was on purpose to sort of like let the magic happen. And still, and men that I talk to pretty regularly, like men that I communicate with some more than others, but like I'm in touch with them. Like I'm talking about, I'm working on stuff with them. I see them, I hang out with them. We have group chats together, Zoomed with them during the pandemic a lot. What was surprising to me is that there's not one interview where I still, every interview I learned something new about the man that I was interviewing. Every single one. People that I thought I knew extremely well, I learned something very new and surprising about them. And also, they learned something about how I felt about the relationship that they didn't know. Um, Those two things, I think, happen in every single episode. And I think that that was beautiful. Yeah, it was. Was there one particular that you enjoyed the most and why? The most? Mm-hmm. I loved them all. I sort of, like the order that we're releasing them isn't the order that we did them in. Um, and I and sort of the reason behind that 
was a couple of things. My two favorite interviews are Russell um, and Russell Morse and Robinson Lynn. And so Russell Morse, former host of Margin Call, is very familiar with him. He's a writer. Russell and I have known each other, host of Margin Call, journalist. I think Russell is like a very fascinating person. He and I have known each other for a long time. We worked together at a youth organization here in New York City. And like I was on his show a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. And and got to write some articles for Queston, mm-hmm. one of them being a, an article I wrote about the movie Boys in the Hood. Both of those opportunities meant a lot to me. And, you know, as you know, I think of Russell as someone who's very clear on, on what his talents are and like how people feel about him. I don't think he recognized how much I appreciated and how much it was sort of inspired by both of those things and it allowed me to step in both of coming on his podcast Mm -hmm. i wouldn't be doing this but for that Mm -hmm. introducing me to you Mm -hmm. um i i don't think he appreciated how much i valued being the way he saw me and like having me in that place Mm -hmm. and also allowing me to do a very different kind of writing than i normally do Mm -hmm. which opened Mm up um so much for me and so i love talking to russell about writing and he and I rarely get to do that talking to that particular man about like his journey to like becoming the writer that he is we've never had that like, you saw a conversation Russell and I talk about stuff all the time oh yes um, <laughs> you know oh yes we go on tangents and, in uh, person so and just, in podcast yeah there's no difference there's no um, difference it's the same thing there's probably a little thing. bit of that in this episode I don't and so yeah that was just a beautiful moment to hear like a writer tell you about how they came to be the artist that they are so that's how that's what i was experiencing when that was going on um robinson lynn runs an organization here in new york city that i participated in before he was running it his mom ran it before him that organization momentum education i did like a leadership program i think is the best way to describe it with them i was a participant which opened up a lot of doors for me, both as like an artist in my career and in my family, on every level of my life, it impacted. I met Robinson when he was like, I don't even think he was in college when I met I think he was like in high school when I met him. And now he's like a grown ass man, married with a kid, running this organization created by his mom who meant the world to me. I think I'm about to cry. And so like, that's one of my favorite conversations because... It was also a moment to talk to, like, I've seen him grow up into a man. And I think he's probably one of the best human beings that I've ever met. And has like no awareness of that, right? Like, he's just like himself. He's like very humble. Um, and so to be able to sort of like pick his brain about how his life unfolded also meant the world to me. And so they, those two stand out for like that reason, because I think I just had like an emotional connection to the conversation. Um, and I've probably been waiting to have those conversations in a, in, in a certain kind of way. And for me, they set the tone for every other conversation that I had. And so in some ways, I wish I had done those interviews first um, because then they let me know what was possible. Um, and I love every episode, but like those, I was like, oh, this is how it feels to be in the zone. And I felt like that's where I was with those two. And then... But I can tell you, like, there's every episode where I really love, there are moments that I really love. Eddie's, Eddie Bernard, the filmmaker, right. from the Lower East he's Side. He's a great like, voice, by about, the way. He's a great voice. I was like, I was like wow. Um, <laughs> it's a, 
yeah. I'm very He's jealous. a great voice. <laughs> He's a most interesting life. Just talking about grieving and like healing with him was amazing. How often do you hear men talking about grieving and healing, right? And so... Never. In such profound, <laughs> real, specific ways. Um, I thought that was great. Talking to Julia Pena, who is a district leader here in New York City, about being hopeful politically in this moment and how his life sort of like created that. And, you know, Ruben Porras talking to him about his job and how he feels, you know, he didn't go the usual college route and he's like an executive doing work that you think everyone here is degreed doing and, and how he, yeah, all of that was just, I think overall, every man is someone that I've seen grow None of them are who they were when I met them. Not a single one of those men is, is who they are when I met them. Um, nor are they finished, right? None of them experienced them. They all considered, feel themselves on a journey. And so each of them, it was beautiful to talk to them about that. That That's sort of like the thread of the show. Um, but I think Russell and Robinson are probably my favorite interviews because of the emotional connection I had because I'd always had that conversation in my mind to want to have with them the way that it unfolded and it unfolded still in some surprising ways. But they're sort of like, the ex- they set the bar for me for how I want every episode of the show to be. Well, I can't speak for the, for most of your guests, but I can tell you for certain, Russell Morris will be very happy to hear you say all that you just said. <laughs> and that's all I'm going to say about that. That's uh, all you, yeah, that's all you need to say. That's all I need to say is that he will be very, very, very I'm thrilled. He'll listen to this three times. <laughs> yes. I mean, Russell's a little obsessed with me, don't you think? Yes. Yes. Yeah. In a, in, in a healthy fine. way. <laughs> like, yeah. Not like healthy, in a weird a way. He- like, I don't think yeah, it's like awkward or anything. Me. Yeah, he's not a no, stalking no, me. No, yeah, no, no, no. We definitely yet. have a love no, fest. No, no, <laughs> We definitely we'll have a love there. fest when we're together. We'll get there. Maybe not now. Maybe in the future. He'll be obsessed with you more. But um, I... Now that you've, you know, you finished these six episodes, you're, mm-hmm. we're waiting for the release because now you have to do all the, all the back end stuff that require, you know, the things. Um, the things that have to happen. <laughs> the things for the that thing have to happen. happen. Um, and you've talked about doing a season two. Mm-hmm. So as, as you kind of look towards the future of that, are you, what do you see for how this is going to evolve now that you've kind of seen what you can do? Mm-hmm. What more do you want to do? That's a great question. Um, this is why you're the best producer <laughs> in the world. I'm always thinking. Um, I lean on you a lot. Because I, I do. I think of, I think of myself as like a baby learning to walk in this world. <laughs> but there were like a couple of um, maybe one, maybe only one. There was one episode that I did like by myself. Mm-hmm. Oh. Did two? Uh, you, I don't remember. You did, there were like one or two episodes I did alone. You did, you did for yourself, um, but one yeah. I like did in person with Eddie, Eddie Bernard. I loved that. I loved like doing that in person. That felt, and I didn't actually think that there would be a difference to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but it did feel super different being sitting across from a person all mic'd up. Um, all of our episodes are audio only. I think I'm very open to doing video ne- for the next season. And listen, I think, you know, all the guests are men, obviously. I'm really looking to like, I think we had a pretty diverse group this six episodes, but I'm sort of looking for like, I'm mindful that like, I don't want to miss 
any experience or any identity, right? And so like looking to like diversify even more. And I think this is like a great time to be talking about like my podcast is about men's lives, not necessarily like about manhood, but like that's a conversation that's happening all over the place. And so I've been thinking about things like there's objects in this review. Could we like manage a book club? Could we manage like a conference one day um, or a speaker series? Those things are like circling in my mind. Ooh, those are big. Those are big circles. Listen, once I start dreaming, <laughs> manifest, I start dreaming. Manifest all that stuff, all that stuff. But I have to ask this last question because you asked this question on all your episodes. And I think it's only fair that you also answer this question. So Travis. I don't think this is fair. Travis Montez, what's in your rear view? Oh, um, that is, I love that question. So listen, I'm having a lot of fun right now. Um... I don't know if we've ever, we have talked about this. So like a breakup happened in 2021 or yeah, a breakup happened in 2021 of a relationship that meant the world to me. And like, it's throughout all of my writing, particularly objects in this review, the trilogy. And I realized that I had spent, if I were to think about like what was missing in that relationship from my end, it was joy. Because I spent so much time worrying about the end that I was never like in it or never able to have fun in it. And even as the breakup was happening and it meant the world to me, I, and I was devastated in a kind of like in the way that you would expect and like figuring out how to like still have this person who meant a lot to me in my life, despite the fact that like the relationship that I wanted wasn't going to be it. Like that was a part of the journey. I also, it's so I just sort of like said this to you like I'm I turned 45 this year and my life my my life has gotten to the point where my heart has grown big enough to experience the awful things and the amazing things at the same time because that's how life happens right mm-hmm. it's like your friend offers you a podcast you get dumped right like you <laughs> those things can overlap um, they do <laughs> and you, and you want to be able to like fully engage all of that and I think I'm like in that place and so even as like the awful of like figuring out and grieving what wasn't going to be I was like I want to have fun I like want to enjoy my life I want to I want to experience myself in a much different way than I did the previous 40 plus years mm-hmm. and so you know I thought I was with objects in this review this I loved that project and I really thought I've been publishing poem poetry collections since I was 30. I've been writing poems since I was nine, like writing and performing poems since I was 19. I thought I'm kind of done. I'm kind of done publishing, kind of done sort of like with the professional poet. And then during that time, this like, and this like focusing on joy, focusing on ease, focusing on receiving love right like i think i'm someone who like i my giving love is like i got it (laughs) showing love i got it like those muscles are flexed and toned um receiving love um trusting love um fully experiencing the like river of love that is like flowing in my life at all all times i'm learning that was like something different and that's sort of like where i've been spending the last two years intentionally again sort of like a thing that like clicked for me in a more recent momentum education 
experience was like receive like what does it mean to like that's part of love too it's not just like being loving it's like being available to receive experience recognize be grateful for the love that people are giving you right like if if i were to like identify like what went wrong in that relationship it was like so focused on how he didn't love me i missed for many years how he did right and so yeah, I've been sort of like in my receive era, right? Where I've just been like about focusing on joy and pleasure and and learning what I like, learning what I enjoy, learning and relaxing a lot, right? And so a whole new project has come up out of that called Peaches Honey Whiskey. I have another poetry collection. It is all erotic poetry. Um, I've never done that before. Um, we just had a really fun photo shoot for it. I plan on doing a spoken word album and some visuals for it. Um, and so that's a long winding road to the answering the question of like, what's in my rear view is what I'm like well past is like this idea that like, I have to earn love, not trusting love. Yeah. That's like, yeah, that's in my rear view. Like I really am having a great time in my life. I'm really like, I think another example that I can give, like, you know, Peaches Honey Whiskey will be my ninth collection of poetry. Particularly the people who work with me on like self-publishing and releasing can tell you that like I will do a project and it will like have whatever reaction it has. And I, similar to like the relationship, I don't like experience it. I'm like on to the next thing. I never like let myself experience what I've created. Um, So like that's, that is also in my rear view. And so like I'm sort of resting in enjoying relearning kind of or introducing myself to the kind of artist I am, the kind of person that I am, what's important to me, what I like, um, and the people in my life, spending much more time deepening those connections. That's where I am. That's where I'm going. Every time you talk, I feel like I heal a little bit part of myself. (laughs) Well, now you're going to make me cry. (laughs) It's true. You're just so, you're just so good. You're just like, like, this is, this is not that. You're like, Bam. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> I wish I could talk like you <laughs> someday. Uh, you talk like you. I talk a lot. Um, That's fine. It comes with like, I'm what, twice your age? It comes with like not a lot of practice. Twice. You're not, <laughs> you're not, you're not my father. He's twice my age. <laughs> I'm very old. No, you're not. <laughs> not even a little bit. No, 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 no. But I, I, again, I really want to thank you because this podcast would never have been this would this I would it, it, it would never have been revived if not for your 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 love and absurd. kindness. Absurd. It's not, this is not absurd. It was absurd. It is it was not abs- absurd. Again, you know, I shouldn't say that. I I I know what it I know what it's like to seek permission. Mm-hmm. I know what it's like to hold I know what it's like to think that something's beyond you um and so and so like what I told you like do it for yourself what's the worst that can happen and that you know that's advice that someone gave me kind of recently um but it's also a thing that I learned in the objects in this review writing process for those books mm-hmm. I had to become a new artist to do those books mm-hmm. and I was like oh that's fun Mm. it's like scary but that's fun and so even going into peaches honey whiskey i'm like that required 
And I don't know that it's like a new artist that like people, other people will experience, but I know like it came from a different part of myself to do it. Right. Um, and it was exciting. And it was, um, you know, part of what led into it. I took up like a whole new hobby, right? Like photography. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because, um, you know, I've been writing forever and right. people know me as a writer and people right. expect a certain kind of writing out of me. And photography for me, there was no, there was, it was just fun. It was like, no, there's no expectation. Mm-hmm. I don't care if I mess up. I don't mm-hmm. care if I'm bad at it. Mm-hmm. I just enjoy it. And it was a way of me to like engage my creativity outside of a box to like learn myself again. And then that like led me to a new place in all areas of my life. Right. And yeah, it's sort of, I know what it's like to be defined. And so often we're like, people have put us in boxes and you lose sight of like the box you've put yourself in. Mm-hmm. And so I know, I know what it's like to be in that box, to be in that coffin. Cause that's what it begins to feel like. I know how scary it is to climb out of it. But I also know the joy of like surprising yourself when you get it right. But even like learning to laugh at yourself when you fuck it up, is kind of fun too. Um, and yeah, there's like no, there's no loss to getting out of your own box. If I'm being totally honest, when this happened, I had taken an edible and then you talked to me and then it was just like this, like double, <laughs> like you can do it. It was like cosmic experience. <laughs> Yes, it really was. I mean, um, that explains the response I got. I don't remember what I said to you, but I, sure, I, I, very, I remember feeling something. I'll be like, yes, it was very emotional. I was like, I don't know that I've earned all that I'm receiving in return for this advice. So, no, it I'm, was it was it was perfectly timed. It was perfectly timed. What I do want to yeah. ask you though about your your new what's it called again? Honey peach. Sorry, peaches honey whiskey. Because it's so also different. happening this summer. Night. See, look at you, just blowing up left and right. But because you said it's so different than than what you've done in the past, do you feel like the people who have been reading your poetry thus far, do you think they're gonna like still see you within this text, or is it gonna be like a whole different version of yourself that you're just being like, hey, this part yeah. of me exists too? Yeah, I think that they will. I my suspicion. Of the people who read me, there are going to be people who are like, this is not for me. Not that I've not written about like sex and love in right. previous books. I absolutely have. Right. I think I'm writing about it in a very different way. There's no like no heartbreak anywhere in these pages. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So like it's not Makes like sense. a huge jumping of my literary shark. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like a different kind of project. And like a, and I'm writing. I think the joy will probably be refreshing and heartening to people in a kind of way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think there are people who are like, like, this is not for me. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Listen, I had fun writing it. And I like it. Which is like, a new, like, I really like the book. I really like, I finished it. As usual, I give myself some space before I send it to the editor. Usually, my books, I'm like, it's close to what I envisioned. And this book was like, oh, it's very much exactly what I envisioned. I feel like I grew into the artist I needed to grow into to do it. Um, and for me... At this point, that's sort of more important than any other aspect of doing this. And my experience with self-publishing in particular is like once the book is out, kind of what happens is none of my business. And like kind of where it 
lives in people's lives because it's never like what I think will be like you know I've always like people are gonna like this poem or like that poem or they're gonna think this about me and like it's never what I picture each of those eight other projects have found its own life in places and in people and in groups and in countries that I couldn't have imagined and so I like I'm sort of kind of zen about that piece and also kind of the point of doing it was to let go of the worry about that right like that was one that was a that was a nail in my coffin was like you know when i write about sex i need to write about it in a certain kind of way so that people are comfortable it's not like a concern of mine now i just want to have fun and celebrate fun and write about it the way that I want to write about it and the way that I'm experiencing it at this point in my life. You know, I'm not like a 19-year-old fresh out, and not that I was ever in a closet, but like I'm not that poet anymore. I'm not 30. I'm not 40 even. And so like my experience of like love, sex, joy, pleasure is very different in some ways that I think people would find surprising, but that's okay. I don't need them to like agree, like it, or resonate I think it's going to resonate with a lot of people, but like, of course, art is subjective. I'm okay with that. And that's new. Before, like, if one person was like, this isn't for me, that's the person that I would have focused on. Mm, mm. That's where my mind would have went. And now I'm just sort of like, the book will find its home, as every other book has. This is true. This is very true. And I'm really excited for, so it's coming out also in summer? Yep. Wow. We just, I just did the photo shoot for it. We are, I got like some questions about final edits for the cover. The interior is mostly done. So yeah, any, this summer. I don't I'm do excited. release dates. I don't know if you knew that about uh, me. Oh no, I'm like, really? I'm like I Beyonce. I never have guessed that based <laughs> I'm like on Beyonce. our earlier Shit conversations. <laughs> <laughs> this summer. Before summer. Labor Day. 2023 summer. <laughs> That's what I can tell you. You're going to do a Beyonce and just drop it and we'll else be like, oh, yep. it's out? <laughs> yeah. I may release the cover before it's out. Ooh, ooh, build some hype. So, so, yeah. Social media action. I'm excited. I'm maybe excited. Maybe do some, like, people like those online poetry readings, so maybe I'll do one of those. Like a Zoom thing? Or like a f- Instagram Live or, oh, like, just okay, make a okay, video okay. and, like, put it up. Maybe I'll do a, a reel as the kids do. <laughs> a TikTok <laughs> You can do it, I believe, and you can do anything. Thank Especially you. Little mind to it. You can do so much. Um, I got moxie. <laughs> you do. You definitely, definitely, definitely do. But Travis, I want to thank you so much for coming on Fractured Frequency. I really I, I I love, love that you're my second show. guest. I love it. I love it. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> um, I, I hope with your permission, if as we as we close out, I can play a snippet of one of the episodes that we have coming out. 100%. Anyways, thank you again, Travis. And I hope you will come on again at some point. But I will let you pick. I will let you pick what you talk about. Because I I had you talk about you this whole time. I don't know if that's something you like doing. (laughs) Is it? I don't know. It's not my favorite thing. It's my favorite thing, but Um, you did it. But it also wasn't as bad as as I... You, it was smart of you not to tell me. Um, <laughs> it was smart of you. Um, I was like, I was actually logging on. Like, what are we even going to talk about? Um, you. <laughs> good job. Um, but yeah, whatever. This was fun. Okay. If you uh, think I'm interesting, I, and I'm also, like you, you can ask me anything. Anyways, Travis, thank you again for coming on, and hopefully we'll see you in the near future. 
100%. And thank you everyone who joined us today. Check out the podcast for, that we're talking about. Um, we'll be on Quest On Media in the summer. So check that out. Uh, Travis, where can we find your 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 work, your books, your poetry? Where are they located um, in the world? So the, the objects in this review trilogy can probably be anywhere that where you buy books online. Okay. Um, you can find me on Travis Montez 23 on all the platforms. If you're interested, I can also just send it to you. Um, there's also a, an album objects in this review. That's anywhere where you listen to music. Awesome. I didn't know that. That's cool. <laughs> I you learned something out new now. about me. I need yep. to get on that. Anyways, <laughs> I'm looking so forward to debuting objects in this review this summer. No date added, but <laughs> like Beyonce, like Beyonce, we're doing like Beyonce. And that's, and yep. that's the only way to do it. Thank you yeah. all again. And we'll see you next time. Quest on everybody. Someone coming out of the system better than when they went into it is not usual. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I honestly feel like now that I understand public defense work a lot more, when I first started this job, I thought, oh, like this will be a good way for me to learn the public defense world and see like I at the time I was like, maybe I'll go to law school and be a public defender. And in the process of the job, this job, I've realized, oh, this is the best role for me. Like this is first of all, I'm only brought in when we have an opportunity to help somebody out. You know, sometimes like I hope I discourage that idea. Well, if you brought I'll tell it you to what me. you said when I told you I wanted to go to law school. You were mortified. I think you were, you know, fiddling with the pearls around your neck and, you know, <laughs> fanning your face. You know, <laughs> my stars, I think you said <laughs> law school. Why ever would you want to do something like that? <laughs> I was a very gone with the wind. Yeah, that is yeah. exactly how I feel. And what you said, actually, I've used this in a cover letter. You should know this, that I quote you because I was at Columbia. You know, I never went to college. So I, I finally went back to school. I was in my 30s, you know, getting my bachelor's. And I was like, oh, I think I might want to go to law school. And, and, you know, you weren't like, that's a terrible idea. Get that dick out of your mouth, son. <laughs> what you said was really profound and very like patient and well phrased. And you were like, you know, yeah, like you could do whatever you wanted to. And you said, but you're a writer. You should honor that. And that really, really stuck with me. And that's what kind of led me to decide to major in creative writing. And then obviously eventually to get an MFA, I was like at the crossroads where I was like, Oh, is this like a childish thing that I'm dooming myself to a life of poverty because I want to be a writer and that's a really hard life. Uh, or, you know, is it really meaningful to double down on your art and, and commit to your work? And you really pushed me in that direction. I, I, should thank you more often for that but you should know that that was a very important moment for me because for all we know i would just be a burnt out cokehead public defender by now if i had if you had not <laughs> intervened <laughs>